Hi, I'm Daniel, and welcome to episode one of the Last Minute Corner podcast, a podcast for football fans by football fans. Today, joining me is Jack and Adam to talk about the world of football this week and then attempt to agree on the Premier League's top youth prospects in a starting 11. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, make sure to su- subscribe for similar content. So, boys, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm good, Dan. Good. Um, good weekend of football. Excited about today's topic. So, yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, feeling the same. Sun's out as well today, finally. So, got a bit of a good mood myself. How about you, Jack? I'm doing all right. Um, good result from United at the weekend. Performance was leaving a little bit, a little bit to be desired, but, you know, you'll take three points at the end of the day. So, what big news stories have caught your eyes this week? I'll start with you, Jack. Is there anything that caught your eye this week? Well, if you're looking around Europe, the biggest story, I think, is that Atletico might end up bottling this league. Um, I mean, Barcelona, although they've been very unimpressive this year, for the most part, are, what, only four points behind them now? Um, yeah. Could easily see this this ending up being a Barcelona or Real Madrid year. And I think people thought Atletico were... We're running away with it, even just a few weeks ago. So, yeah, um, I know Adam's a big fan of Benzema at the moment. I bet he'd love to see Real Madrid lift that trophy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far. I'd, uh, I'm a big fan of Benzema, but uh, seeing Messi win one more La Liga while he's there would be nice. Um, but Atletico's form is just dreadful. I think they're like 16 points out of the last 30 or something. Um you consider the gap they had early in the season, it is concerning. Um, but it's still a long way to go. Yeah, I think I was reading into it today. Also, as much as Barcelona are not having as great a season, their recent form has been really impressive in La Liga, especially. I think yeah. since they were, I, can't, I don't remember the points off the top of my head, but. Well, they've only dropped two points in their last five games. So, yeah. you know, it's been a running theme. I mean, Messi's starting to show why he's still so important to the team. It does make and you question then, um, if he does end up leaving, you know, it's a big gap to leave. Yeah. He has been almost carrying them the last few weeks in some respects. Uh, and I mean, he's not scoring tappings. Every goal he's scored for the last few weeks has been a screamer. So, you know, whoever gets him, if he does leave, is a. Very lucky to have him. You see, I think that's a concern, Jack. I think he's on 21 and then Griezmann's our next top goal scorer on 7. Um, and you consider some of the money spent on some of these players like Griezmann and Bailey and stuff, their output's just not good enough. And then Real, Real's got much the same issue. Um, Benzema's miles ahead, of, I think, at Casemiro's their, their second top goal scorer this year. Um, you consider the money these two clubs have spent in the last decade to be where they're at right now is highly concerning. Um, but I think most football fans, when we were watching the Barca PSG game, can vouch for the Dembele black no finish. He actually looks like he could be a player if he gets a finish on him. Reminds me almost of Theo yeah. Walcott years ago, where he would get himself into positions, but he easily should have had a hat trick against PSG. Yeah, well, I say easily, but. It's he made it's harder for to, it. Yeah, he had enough chances. That's for sure. He's just so erratic at times. Like it, there's such great footwork with the ball outside the box, and then just love to know what's actually going through his mind once he gets to that stage of shooting. Um, but well, really, if, 
if we're going to speak about the weekend's football, I feel like there's only really one thing we should be speaking about. It's just a matter of time, wasn't it? It's just an off London derby, isn't it? <laughs> what a wonderful game of football that was. Well, to be honest, I mean, from a, I say a neutral perspective, um, you know, I was probably back in Arsenal a little bit to win it because you always back the underdog, don't you? And uh, yeah, it was a pretty entertaining game where most of these games had been pretty boring this season. Uh, both of them are kind of going for it, especially Arsenal in the first half. Uh, but Spurs looked poor. I, I was not impressed with them at all. Yeah, I think what's always hard with Spurs team, it's been their problem this whole year, is being happy when they go 1-0 up. Mm -hmm. They weren't impressive before they got their goal, but you would think they would try and take the emphasis to an Arsenal team who is sitting below them in the league. We're not talking mm -hmm. a Man City or somebody here. They have good enough players out on the pitch. I think losing Son early on did not probably help Spurs' plans, but to be fair, I'll touch on Lamella after this, but it was individual brilliance from Lamella, and maybe that's something we'll look at in coming weeks. As much as Spurs have been better recently in terms of form, um, it's been relying on individual brilliance for a lot of their performances, yeah. whether it be from a Bale or a Kane, or can't say it's an attacking strategy. Well, the exact players you mentioned, Bale and Kane, didn't do very much for them, to be honest. Kane yeah. had the one free kick that hit the post late on, um, but the individual brilliance in the game was definitely that goal from Lamella. I mean, I, I don't remember seeing anything like it in the Premier League, really. I think that's what can say you with Spurs. Is, well, so they're not bad at the back, but relying on being strong defensively when you've got that kind of attacking... Uh, they, the kind of attacking players they've got. Um, yeah, I, I think Bale and Son make up like well over two-thirds of their goals as well. Because, um, uh, sorry, Kane and Son, like Bale's been non-existent most of the year and then obviously the theory was that he was back, but 55 minutes and I can't think of really anything that he was involved in. No. Um, but for, for an Arsenal point of view for myself, it was... I was very pleased with the first half. Um, obviously, the Aubameyang thing, we, we don't know totally the ins and out of. It appears he was late to the game, he was dropped for it. Um, and sometimes you get lucky as a manager and you win at the back of that and you don't. it doesn't turn into such a big controversy. Um, but I thought Arsenal played well going forward. I thought Odegaard was showed more signs of why he was a good signing in January. Um, the only concern was Saka going off where a hamstring injury at half-time because um, he's been such a big player for us this year. Um, but it's just always nice to see Mourinho get beat. Yeah, I thought Arsenal were quite impressive for, for large spells of the game. But, I mean, we've, yeah. we've given a lot of praise to Lamella with that goal. Uh, we have to remember that the guy went and got himself sent off in the second half and was fairly kind of unimpressive for the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, Lamella will be finish. that player... In 10, 20 years' time, you just remember him for getting pickings and red cards. Anytime I see him, I'm not a betting man myself, but I will always put a dabble on a player card on him. He's just a second time bomb. Like when he first came on, he was squaring up to Jacka, squaring up to Luis. It was, I'm all for passion in a derby, but beers on the side of unprofessional, mm -hmm. how he was acting a lot of it, which in turn then he got himself sent off for yeah. something that was stupid. Yeah, 
And then the other big talking point from that game um, is the, the penalty that was given to Arsenal. And, I mean, my opinion when I first saw it was Sanchez was unlucky because, mm-hmm. you know, he's gone to try and block it. Lacazette's missed the ball, messed up the finish, and has then been fouled. I do think it is a penalty, although soft in most cases, let's be honest. Yeah, I think that's the right word. I would say it's the word soft. I don't think it's a disgrace or any other, and I don't think there's very many people talk about it being it shouldn't have been given, but I also, it's not a stonewaller either in terms of penalties, but compared to some of the pen controversy with decisions recently, it's quite tame, and I can't say I was surprised. That's part of the problem is that probably is a penalty. Obviously, I definitely think it was a penalty, but by the way, the law, it probably is a penalty. Um, but then, like, you look at the Liverpool Wolves game last night, Alisson had one early on that looked like it really should have been a penalty for Wolves. Um, and I think it's just the consistency of decisions that that worries you. Um, but a definite penalty. Sanchez probably should have been sent off for it. Mourinho should have got sent off for playing him. Um, Arsenal should have won 6-0. Can tell the, the Arsenal side of him is coming out a bit more now. Just keep to, that under lock. <laughs> trying to contain myself here. It's Lovely and unbiased this podcast as always. It's one game and we're still sitting in tenth place. I'm not going to get that excited yet, right? Um, but it's always nice to to beat Spurs. Yeah, definitely. So, all kind of the Premier League. I think we deliberately avoided it till last because it's such a big talking point. Chris Wilder leaving. How do you feel about it? I have to say, personally, I was very surprised. I thought if he was going to leave, it would be at the end of the season. I'd never thought it would be with this time to go. Um, and then at least at the weekend, it just looked like a team lost. Um, what they do didn't you think even look like it? a team against Leicester, Daniel. No. They were absolutely dreadful. It's probably the worst performance I've seen in the Premier League this season. Um, even you know Southampton got beaten 9-0, but down to 10 men after like two minutes you know no excuses for Sheffield United against Leicester they got lucky with it being five um and I do worry them worry about them for the rest of the season because it just seemed like they dimmed their tools because Wilder Mm -hmm. primed himself on defensive solidity Mm -hmm. and then in his first game since he left which they were for what I could see anyway playing a similar formation to Wilder they obviously don't have as much time to practice for the game so they would have been using his tactics and the rest of it so to crumble as much as that surely the players have to take some responsibility rather than um, for it to be such a crumble you would think they would want to go out with pride and maybe even some of them as we'll discuss in a wee while go on trying to play for moves it just looked like a team who didn't care I didn't see passion on the pitch and I think that's what will hurt the Sheffield United fans more than anything else that happened I think in terms of well, what I find strange is if you go through Heckenbottom's history and then obviously they brought in Jason Tindall as well, who's just like recently been fired from Bournemouth. Is that going to make him competitive from now to the end of the year? Like we spoke last week about the possibility of them finishing above West Brom, which I, me and Jack agreed on. This is no chance now. Um, I mean, one shot in 90 minutes for a Premier League team with a the money they've still spent in the last year is pitiful. Um, but I just I just don't understand what the board think they're going to be able to attract in terms of a manager. They're not going to attract a better manager than Chris Wilder to that job. 
Um, and certainly not anyone that's going to love the club the way that Wilder does, because he was a fan first and foremost. Yeah, or that the fans will love back. You know, he is... I think Martin Key on, on Match of the Day described it as when Ferguson left United. Mm-hmm. You know, these are big big boots they come to fill. And especially because you think, who's the best manager to get them back up? Who knows this club? Who knows how to get them running well? It's Chris Wilder. You know, if you're he's handed over, in CVs yeah. for the job, he'd be favourite to get it. Yeah, he's overperformed with that squad for years. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. I, I personally have a lot of my heart bleeds fans to say this. I don't see them coming back up next year, no matter who they get in. The other is not only that Wilder's overperformed, he's had a set way of playing and the squad's formed for that. If any new manager comes in, it'll need to be a complete squad overhaul, not only in terms of tactics, but as I touched on, there's players going to be leaving, such as Ampadu on loan, Lundstrom's not going to sign again. These are players that have started most of the games this year. It's going to be an interesting transition. And possibly, we don't know, they might have an idea in their heads, but I don't see... If they brought in a new manager, it's a permanent manager, I could maybe see give them until the end of the season to figure out their system. But just to leave it to... Uh, failed Hibs manager and failed Bournemouth manager seems a bit suspect and maybe there's something else going on that we don't know about. There has been a lot of talk about him falling out with the the owner and the board's not being too happy with you know where some of the investment's gone mm-hmm. but I mean at the end of the day this is the guy who brought you from League One to the Premier League yeah. where you competed for a European place last year. Let's not forget how impressive they were. Um, and now, you know, they were always going to drop off. I don't think we expect them to drop off quite this much. Yeah. But they were never going to maintain that level of, of success. I think well, when they came up last year, they were by far the favourites for relegation. By yeah. far the favourites. So everyone was surprised if they'd even stay up. It was kind of like Huddersfield a few years ago, never mind finishing as high as they did. Although they did tail off the end of last year, it's impressive how well they actually did. Um. And I think maybe that's the problem. He's a victim of his own success. I think that um, he's done better than he should have, and now people are judging him from that. But in terms of investment, I still think his investment has time to come good as well. Um, Brewster and Ramsdale, both young English players, they've maybe not excelled this year, but they definitely have time. To... The players that should definitely be better in the championship. I mean, Brewster's got previous with Swansea, obviously. Um, what concerns me with him is a new manager coming in is going to want his own players um, so if they're going to then try and rebuild that squad to a certain extent in the summer especially when you're seeing guys like Lundstrom and stuff leaving the championship's a competitive division it's not easy yeah. to go down and come straight back up and we've seen bigger teams in Sheffield United struggle with that um, I yeah. mean, an easy example Fulham were down there for like 3-4 years before they got back up they finished as low as 20th one year in the championship um, and all it takes is I don't think there's a lot of Premier League quality in their team if I'm honest um, but if they lose a couple of key players I don't, I just don't see them rebuilding enough in the summer that I think they'll they'll compete to come straight back up Yeah, I mean you go further back to even Sunderland going down and I think the, the fans and the club expecting an easy road back they even made a, a Netflix documentary about their road back to the Premier League and then they got relegated back-to-back into League yeah. One. I don't necessarily think Sheffield United will get relegated next season. 
But the way the team looked at the weekend, if they can't get someone to come and organise them and give them some better way to play these games, because I mean, Leicester, as oh, they did play well, we'll have to give some credit to them. They did play really well. But Sheffield United let them play. And if you go to the Championship and let teams play like that against you, you will continue to lose by big numbers and you will struggle. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, they need to, to work out something. I, they don't seem to have a plan. This has clearly been a, a decision, which I'm assuming has been made kind of spur of the moment, because otherwise you would just give them till the end of the season. So I do worry for them now, uh, but I hope we see them back in the Premier League at some point, because, you know, you want to have a Sheffield team there, really. It's a, it's a big place in England. Yeah. You can't not have a Sheffield team for, for too long. Um, but yeah, don't know why they sacked them, to summarise. <laughs> I think they are certainly a club that would have been affected by not having fans this year as well. Because um, no team in the Premier League wanted to go there on a Wednesday night under the lights when that place was rocking. Because um, what you say about the Sheffield team, Jack, the, the noise that comes from both Sheffield grounds is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I, what you're saying, Jack, about they need someone that's going to organise them next year because that's what you need in the championship. You need to be well organised. They had a very good manager when it comes to organising teams, um, and I just don't see who's out there now that that will be better than Wilder was. Yeah, definitely. Well, they have. It's on their side, and talking of youth prospects, I think that probably leads on to our big conversation of the day. So I asked the boys this week to drop their Premier League top youth prospects in the form of a starting eleven. With a number of young players in our game, especially in the Premier League, we had to make some filters. So the player had to be under 21 or, 21 or under, and less than 100 senior appearances within Europe's top five leagues. It did really bring down the number of players we can choose from. Um, we were originally looking at under 23, and I think we all realised the number of players playing at the top level, especially in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just too difficult to make an 11 from that. But we've got a good list of players. I'm interested to hear your choices. Um, it seemed very topical with a lot of under 21 squads being announced this week for it to be the week that we dived into the youth, especially of the Premier League, because a lot of them have really stood up this week um, in terms of their own individual performances. But, um, yeah, I'll be intrigued to hear. So who wants to start on their goalkeeper choice? I don't think there was a, a lot of choice. There was a the one yeah. kind of position where we relatively stuck. Um, so, I mean, I've got, obviously, Eli Melly for Leeds. Um not just in terms of he is the only choice. I think he's been very good for Leeds this year, bearing yeah. in mind his age and coming to a new country. Um, pretty much all his experience was in Liga 2 in France beforehand as well. Um, yeah. But he, he plays football from the back. He's relatively good in the air. So. Um, the only other one I, I had written down was that Gel Virginia that came on for Everton at the weekend there. Mm-hmm. Um, Portuguese under-21 international came on, done his job. Um, if Pickford is out for any length of time, we might get to see a bit more. But yeah, Melee was was my choice. Yeah, I think we need to give him credit. Um, he's definitely the only choice, in my opinion, 
But he's had nine clean sheets in 27 games, so one out of three games is a clean sheet. And a Leeds team that everyone knows concedes goals is impressive. And especially has been called up for, for the France under-21s. And he even has, which I did not know until I was looking into it for this podcast, the second most saves in the league just behind Sam Johnston of West Brom. And we all were saying what a good season Sam Johnston has had at West Brom. So for a keeper of his age to be playing a Leeds team, what are are as attacking as they are, and to be getting that out, surely he's only going to get better. Um, So even though he was probably the only choice, he definitely deserves to be at the team. Absolutely. Yeah, he's obviously my choice too. Um, I mean, you mentioned the fact that you know, Leeds are such an open team. They ask to be attacked almost. Um, for his debut Premier League season, you know, it's it's been, you know, probably the best performance I've seen from a goalkeeper of this age ever in the Premier League. Um, mm. Although, you know, not many goalkeepers play in the Premier League at this age. Uh, Bielsa obviously trusts him and the stats back up. Why wouldn't you? As you say, nine clean sheets so far. I mean, you're up there with the best keepers in the league at that point. Definitely. So we'll just swiftly move on that we're in agreement. Who do I have at the right back position? Right back position. Um, I have Lamptey from Brighton at right back. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us why? He's just had a phenomenal season. I mean, you look at the way he's come into the Premier League and I mean quite a, a few players we'll probably talk about have be, had their debut season this season um, it is just been massively impressive how much he, he gets up the pitch and you know links with their attackers so well um, yeah. you wonder where we've talked about Brighton before uh, you know privately about how their stats push them to a much higher position league than they probably mm-hmm are at the moment um, I I can't see past Lamptey at the moment just because he has a bit of everything he can get up the pitch but I think his defensive qualities are massively underrated when people talk about him and uh, he does get him back in defend as well They're definitely missing him just now I've always been out for quite a lot of the season but I rate Veltman as a defender but they really lack that attacking output especially against teams that are similar ability to them Lamptey often stretch the game for them he has his pace, and he's got really good dribbling, which he would fouled quite a lot, one on free kicks high up the pitch. Um, and then Brighton system, where they often play a three centre-backs or even two centre-backs, but with a midfielder dropping in, he was allowed that freedom, which mm. they are missing in recent weeks, sure. Um, so, yeah, I think I agree with you. Although I could have to admit now I've kind of cheated and I've got two right-backs using one as a left-back. So... I am the exact same as you, Daniel. I have two left-backs, one playing as a right-back. Definitely. So what about you, Adam? Are you in agreement or have you got, got a Lamp- controversial choice? I've got Lamptey as well. Um, for for his age, um, the output we've already seen from him, um, tremendous. But you say his pace going forward is such a threat and certainly for Brighton, as good as Veltman is defensively, it has, they've lost a bit of a dimension because you could have Lamptey going in behind, even for the guys in front of him like McAllister and stuff, it opens up so much space. Um, and it, he has a very good defender for his age and fullbacks nowadays don't overly need to defend a lot of the time to, to no. be good fullbacks um, but I just I, at 20 years old to be at the level he's already at um, 
it's not inconceivable, as good as Trent is, that Lamptey will push him for an England jersey in the next couple of years. Um, the only other name I had that would be worth mentioning, I think Rhys James is a very good right back. Um, but I just think Lamptey's shown a consistency at, at 20 years old um, that Brighton can be very excited about the future with him. Obviously, he's out the rest of the year with a hamstring injury and hopefully he comes back from that fine, but um, I just think in terms of his output at his age, the consistency at his age, it's just hard to, to pick anyone above him. The Seagulls definitely have our player in Lamptey, that's for sure. And you mentioned Rhys James, and he's the one that I've actually slotted in at left-back. I know it's very sly, but I think there's quite lacking in the left-back department. Um, some of these might argue Brandon Williams, but I just find Rhys James... He's comfortable on both feet, so I think he could slot into that left-back role anyway. And um, he's been one of the main players on Chelsea's team, maybe less so um, since Tuchel came in, but he still played every couple of games. Um, and when he was given the chance by Lampard last year, he definitely sees that from Adrian Aspilicueta, who was playing right back, he made that position his own. And I think it's nice as a Chelsea fan to see somebody who's been at the club since six years old getting into the first team and showing that there is a pathway eventually kind of forming at Chelsea. And I think he deserves his place in the team, albeit very sneakily. What yeah. do you have as your left-back position? I have Reese James as well, Daniel. Uh, when I said I cheated also, it was also because I, I wanted to get Reese James in the team. I think in terms of attacking play in the Premier League, if you're looking at, at full-backs, his crossing is maybe only coming in competition with Trent in terms of who has the level of crossing he has. Um, it scares me every time Chelsea play Man United. I'm constantly worried when he goes down that wing and has the ball because I just know he's going to whip one in. And most of the time, he is going to find somebody, especially if you've got you know, a Giroud playing. So, yeah, I have also gone for James. So me and you are not in debate, but I'll be interested to hear what Mr Adam has. Well, you know, some of us presumed would use players in the right positions and not cheap, but Dan, I'm not surprised that he had to try and fit a Chelsea player in somewhere because that was always going to happen. Jack, I'm disappointed in. I thought you were a massive Brandon Williams fanboy. But, um, so I, I'm split between three, if I'm honest. I've went with Luke Thomas because I think he has played very well for Leicester. Um and replacing James Justin was not going to be easy when he got injured because he's been very good for them this year. Um, he's still very raw. Like, there's obviously still a lot to work on. At 19, that's fine. Like You, you shouldn't be a complete player at 19. Um, the only other two I had out with that is uh, the guy at Wolves. He's on loan there, that Ryan Aitnouri, um, French under 21 international. He was playing relatively well before Johnny got injured. Uh, well, while Johnny was injured, sorry. Um, I think he's a talent and Tyreek Mitchell Crystal Palace still only young as well um, he's someone that I think we'll see a lot of next year when the, we'll see what happens with the Palace situation with the players out of contract but I think Mitchell I think he's only 20 as well maybe 21 um, again great pace going forward still a lot to work on defensively he's raw um, but I, I don't think there is a a clear left back in the Premier League at that age. Um, obviously, guys like Justin, who are just slightly above the age. Um, and, you know, I, 
I'm not just going to take a right back and put them out there because, you know. We've well, seen that work many times there. before. <laughs> That's something you think we should be including Rhys James and, oh, definitely. and the yeah. team, I think. Just because Thomas, I think, will be good in a couple of years. For a couple of times, especially in some bigger teams. I remember a few weeks ago against Pepe, he looked out of his depth and was yeah. subbed off by a half time. So I think he's a good player, but I think he doesn't make this 11, unfortunately. I think the the other thing, Reese James spent that year at Wigan, and I think that, that stood him in good stead. Uh, was Thomas hasn't been out on loan. I think he's only played six times this year. I think he's maybe about 10, 15 appearances for West overall. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll pick a left-back at left-back, just in terms yeah. of you know, fairness. I mean, you did mention Brandon Williams. It's probably worth giving him a mention. You know, um, The only reason I didn't pick him is because when I looked at Lamptey and Rhys James, they both are better than him. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, and if I was picking a team and I had those fullbacks, I would play one of the right backs at left back, probably instead of Brandon Williams. Uh, but I do think he's a really good player. Uh, he's shown that he has a lot of potential and the rumours of him maybe going out on loan at some point. But uh, yeah, he's, he's taken his chance when he's been given it at United and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more from him. So. Yeah, definitely excited for it. Yeah. So, slightly move on to centre-backs then. Um, who do you have in your team? I've got one who I think I'd be very disappointed in you both who should be in every team is Fofana from Leicester. Um, eyebrows are raised when you signed for above 30 million this year, but cause, especially because you only had 30 senior appearances before you moved to Leicester. But he was even keeping Soyonshu at the team and Leicester pushing... Man United all the way, it seems, just now. He seems like a bargain. I've not saw somebody at his age be so comfortable on the ball and fit into a top four side, essentially, what Leicester are now, with ease. Um, so, did you boys have him in your teams at centre-back? Yeah, I've got him. Yeah, you couldn't not pick him, how he's played this year. Particularly staying as a starter when Soonju came back from injury, because um, we were all impressed with Soonju last year. Um and Roger's system isn't the easiest one in the world to play. It's quite an elaborate system that Leicester have. Um, to be as alert in his positional sense at his age, um, there's not a better centre-half at that age in the Premier League for me. No. What about you, Jukes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you guys have basically said it. Uh, and I would go further than what Adam said and say there's probably not a better centre-back at his age, maybe in the world this season. Um, I mean, 20 years of age, as Daniel says, he looks so comfortable in that position and so comfortable in the Premier League. Now, we've seen experienced centre-backs come from abroad and look out of their depth. You know, it's taken him time to adapt. He came straight in and, you know, from his debut, he just looked like he was fully comfortable in the league, knew exactly what he wanted to do. Um, and yeah, I, I've been very impressed with him. So, um, yeah, I think that's a a non-argument, Fafana was always going to get into the team. So, who's who you got for your other centre-back? I think this possibly will be the... Oh, well, the this, one, this one hurt me a little bit, Daniel, I'll be honest. Um, I know he's only been in the, the league for a few games now, and it's been hit or miss, to say the least. But I have gone for, for Ozan Kabak. 
Ooh, that will hurt. Based mainly on recent form, the last few weeks, it turns out when you play a centre-back with, with another centre-back beside him, you keep some clean sheets. Who would have thought? Someone should have told Jurgen Klopp a few months ago they might be in a better position. Um, he's just been really good for them the last few weeks. Can't deny it. Uh, I know Liverpool fans were very excited about him yesterday, how well he played against Wolves. And um, yeah, there's not a huge amount of centre-backs under 21 in the Premier League who are playing yeah. first-team football. So um, in that way, it was, it, you know, I kind of had to go for him. Similar reasons I've got back in as well. I don't think there's too much else to say on that. More, I don't think there's that much other players in the centre-half role who fill it that well. But I also think he has came in and he's looked assured. And maybe it's just coming straight from the Wolves game, but he looked really comfortable. And he's definitely one for the future. He's still got things to work on. Nowhere near, I'd say, quality of Fafana. But I'd say he still deserves a place in the team. So I've not got Kabak. Um I went with Eric Garcia. Um, obviously, he's not played at City as much this year, but they do have the best back line in the league. And he's leaving at the end of the season, so I think City are not willing to overly play him too much. Um, I think Kabak's been good since he came in. Um, I think that's easy when you've got someone as good as Nat Phillips next year to look good. Um, but I just think... There's a reason that Pep loves Garcia so much. There's a reason Barca are so desperate for him to return. Um, he's a very good ball-playing centre-half. He's a smart defender. I think we've seen signs of that at City when he played last year a little bit. Um, so, yeah, for me, he's... Just in terms of potential, I think he's still ahead of Quebec for me. Quick disclaimer, by the way. Adam does not actually think that Nat Phillips is the next Van Dyke. I do. Do you? He's wonderful. Yeah, well, that's one of us that... Well, maybe you could use the Quebec then as a other way around for somebody to be playing somebody who I don't rate at all, like Phillips, and making the defence a lot more solid. He's clearly in something. Can't say. There's a couple of times towards the end, Wolves were getting in, but he looked like he was starting to lead the line. Um, I agree with you there, Garcia. The problem with Eric Garcia, which is why I didn't include him, is the lack of appearances this year. It's hard to judge somebody who's not playing. That mm. was the biggest. I think if he was playing, I would have had him on my team, but you can't have players that are going to play. Yeah, I agree. I just haven't seen enough of him, really, to put him in there. Um, you know, He was pretty much signed for Barcelona last summer, and he's just been yeah, sitting there waiting for the go-ahead. So, uh, he has yeah, a lot of potential. played more games for City than Quebec has for Liverpool this season. So it does kind of even out, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> The only other one, again, somebody that's not playing as much, the only one I had written was uh, Tanganga at Spurs, yeah. who I think, again, I think he is very raw um, for a 21-year-old. Um, I think he could be playing in the Premier League at somewhere else other than Spurs. I think if he was at a team fighting relegation, he maybe could be a starter. Um, and I think not going out on loan in January was a mistake. Um, but he's someone that I think is still worthwhile mentioning if you're talking about young players with potential, because I don't think there's a lot of young centre-halves with potential in the Premier League. Um, so I think he was someone worth mentioning. Him and Reese williams at uh, Liverpool as well. 
Well, what we'll take a vote who how is are we going with Adam or are we sticking nah, to nah, our guns? Nah, I, think he's out, I think he's outvoted. I'm going Quebec mainly I'm just Quebec. on the recent form. Uh, he's been what four three clean sheets in a row, I think it is, in all competitions. Um yeah. Garcia might have played more games, but you know, Quebec has kind of established himself in a a poor Liverpool defence this season as maybe the player to to start building this around and fix before Van Dyke's back. So yeah, I'm sticking with Quebec. Perfect. So that'll move us on to our midfield. I'm assuming we'll go into the kind of central midfielder position next. Would probably be that shout. So who do you have in the centre of your part? Well, I have another Liverpool player. I've got Curtis Jones. Um, I think in what's been a, a poor season for Liverpool, Curtis Jones has been probably one of the, the brighter spots for them. You know, mm. he's looked fairly comfortable in that midfield. I mean, he's basically been asked to fill in for Henderson, who's been moved back to play centre-back. So it's so a big role to try and come in and, and take over. Uh, but I think he's done well. He's got a lot of potential. Um, and yeah, midfield, there's a lot of options. So uh, if, you know, if you don't have um, Curtis Jones, I, I think it'd be an interesting debate as to see who, who you do have. I have to say, I've got Curtis Jones. For another reason as well, though, I think the biggest reason I include him over me is some others is his flexibility. He can play as that midfield three for Liverpool, but he also can play on the winner. He can comfort on a number 10. Um, and it's his defensive game that I think has really improved this year by having to sit at part of that three and cover when Robertson or Trent, whatever side of the midfield he's sitting on, are going forward. Um, and he still looks... You, he doesn't look out of place. If you throw somebody Liverpool, you wouldn't think that he's a youth player. You would assume that he's part of the team. So yeah, um, yeah. I think for that reason alone, to fit into a Premier League champion side, as much as they're struggling this year, definitely deserves to be a part of the young 11. What about you, Adam? Yeah, I've got Jones as well. I don't think he's one that we need to say that much about. Anyone that watches Curtis Jones play will tell you he's one of the best young players in the Premier League. Um, like you say, I do think he has improved defensively this year. Um, and I think he's had to in that the midfield three that he's played as a party. Because um, we've not seen the Thiago we thought we would have seen at this stage. Um, and he's been a creative force for them going forward. And as much as Salah's still scored, the front three in general haven't been what we've seen in the last couple of years. And I think Jones has been a, a great creative force for them going forward. Um, but one concern is how much minutes he'll get from now to the end of the season. Um, if Fabinho moves back into midfield and Thiago and Will Adam are still going to play, and then he's not going to play as part of that front three if Jota's playing there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think he, there's much more I can say about Curtis Jones that you two already haven't said. So yeah, comfortably Great. Curtis Jones goes in. So who have you got next, Daniel? Who else is in your midfield? So I was telling Jack before we came on the podcast and it, it kind of doesn't fit as because we're trying to fit into a 4-3-3, but I don't think he fits any position in that. So I've chucked him in the midfield and that is Dwight McNeil. So I might argue that I'm cheating here again, which probably I am because he's not a centre mid in any aspect. But I also can't say I see him as part of a front three in terms of how playing right on that flanked one that uh, Burnley play. But he just came back from the weekend, that's still in strike at Goodison Park. 
Um, he's been a regular in a Burnley team. I'd probably say he's one of the first names on the team sheet there. And with a team that's so defensively solid, he's the one that they looked at for magic. And I like I said, the weekend he got a goal and assist. And I think if he was playing for a bigger team, we'd hear about him a lot more. And he has always liked with a bigger club. Even Dyche said he should be in a team that's challenging for the league in his post-match conference um, at the weekend. So I have to Dwight McNeil has to be in the team. I don't know where to fit him, but in my opinion, he has to make the best 11. Controversial, because I, I don't have him in my team. I'll be honest with you, Daniel. Uh, I don't know if Adam does. I'd be interested to hear. I don't. I have him written down. Oh, not as a, not a, my problem is if if we'd played a four four two, Dwight McNeil would be in my team. I think he's a left midfielder more than he's a left winger. Uh, yeah. I think he's the only slight issue I have with Dwight McNeil's games, I don't think he's he has blistering pace. I'm not saying he's slow, but I don't think he has that same burst that some wingers have nowadays. Um but it's a one-day left foot, what you say. He proved that again at the weekend with the goal against Everton. And it wasn't just the, the strike, the turning Allen in the middle of the field. Allen's a very good holding midfield. It was a lovely turn. Um, so he only missed out for me in terms of the formation that we were playing today. Um, but there was no doubt in the, the talent that he's got. In terms of him being at a big club, though, he was. He was at Man U and they let him go. We've seen a lot of players let, for example, even Lamptey on this list, he was let go by Chelsea literally a year ago, and we're already talking about him being one of the best in the league. He did so get a lot good of the money for Lamptey, did you not, though? Four million. Good money. All money is good money. McNeil left for free. True, <laughs> true. Great money. Um, uh, so if, if you don't have McNeil, I'm interested to hear who you've got, Adam. Does so it line up with me? I thought a midfield free was quite difficult. And not in terms of those good players, but a lot of attacking players that are probably more of a 10 than they are an 8 or a 6. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in terms of just trying to build an actual team, I've stuck with players that haven't played an awful lot. Um, so I would have Billy Gilmore sitting in my midfield three. Um, I think when he has been given the chance at Chelsea, obviously not under Tuchel now, but um, I think he proved that he can play that role. Um Unfortunately, Chelsea are very good in the middle of the pitch. Um, they've got three great options. Um, and then next to them, to him, another one I really like is there's a boy, Vitinha, at Wolves, is on loan from Porto. Um, again, a young boy, he's, I think he's played maybe 10 or 12 times this year. Um, he's a poach, he's under 21 at National, great on the ball. Um but my, like I say, my problem is I wanted to try and pick a team that was balanced in terms of position. There's guys like Emile Smith-Rowe, who I don't think is a left winger, so I didn't totally want to pick him there. But I also don't think that he's going to work as part of a midfield three long term. Well, it's funny so, you mentioned Smith-Rowe, because I do have Smith-Rowe in my midfield. Now, I think whereas you have gone for, let's build an actual team, I've just picked the three players that I probably like most mm -hmm. from the, the lists that we made. So I have gone for Smith Rowe. I've been very impressed with Arsenal. Uh, I think he was very good at the North London Derby at the weekend. Um, but he's one of those players that if he was at United, I would be really excited about him coming through. Um, so yeah, I have gone for, for Smith Rowe. And in terms of my other one, um, I, I went for Saka as well. 
So I've got two Arsenal boys in my midfield. <laughs> Saka. Saka again. He's, he's one of those. Out, out he's yeah. <laughs> well, he's in our midfield list. That's the thing. So that's the only reason I've picked him is because those two players have, have impressed me this season. Again, Arsenal have not been impressive. We can say that. I think they've been bright sparks for them again, similar to Curtis Jones there, where you know they've been good enough players for me to believe that they they should be in this first eleven. But this is going to start a debate because we can only pick two more positions. I think being almost executive of this podcast, I think I would say the third player I had with us is Gilmore, and I think Gilmore should go on. I think he does. If we're trying to build an eleven, he provides that stability and. If it wasn't for his injuries and change of management, I think he would add a lot more game time this year. So I think mm. Jones and Gilmore especially is a sitting centre mid pair and deserve to be there 100%. Yeah, I'm more than happy with Gilmore. He was one of the ones I was looking at as well. Because, um, as you say, he's not got a lot of game time under Tuchel yet, but I'm very impressed from when he and was coming out. they are flooded with centre mids as well, which is his other, which shows when we've sent Loftus-Cheek and Barclay, although mm. both who are impressive their respective clubs this year as well. There's an abundance of centre mid talent at um, Stamford Bridge. But another one, and potentially you could, or I agree with Adam, it maybe isn't as balanced, but you could potentially play the 4 3 3 attack and then have Smith Rowe as a cam. Then, if we're wanting to make it an actual formation, I think Smith Rowe has done enough to deserve maybe a mention in the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also agree he shouldn't be a winner. He was the fourth player I had on my list. So maybe as a concession, he should probably be the third person. Because I've seen Vitinha play, but I still think he's probably quite Cam-esque as well. I wouldn't see him sitting back too much. Um, he always makes progressive runs. So I think him and Smith-Rowe could be a bit of a top-up. But I think Smith-Rowe breaking into the Arsenal team, and especially how more creative Arsenal have been since he's been in the team. He, yeah. def- he deserves it, but it's up to you boys. But I think he should probably be the third midfielder on our lap. Because no I personally would have Saka as a forward or yeah, as part of the front fair. group. Um, I have no issue including an Arsenal player on the team. I'm, totally <laughs> I'm happy with Jones, Gilmore, Smith Rowe as a midfield three. It sounds nice. quite, quite tasty actually for an actual yeah. team. Um, it feels like three players that could balance quite nicely together. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so. Midfield done. We've just got our forwards now. So I've mentioned them already. I think as much as Adam will be loving it, if we didn't have a team that included Saka, who I argue should be the main player on this list, there is something gone wrong. I mean, I was looking into a stat today for a teenager. He's top teenager in the league for goals, assists, chances created. And he has only been playing that forward position not in the first couple of games of the season as well. There's no argument where he can't I think he was him and um, Fafana were the first two names on my sheet there were no doubts no F, no buts he for me makes it in the team um, but bench has a year if you are so adamant on him as well I think Adam will be well he was already in my team I know yeah <laughs> true I forget yeah. you had him as well I don't think there's any argument with Saka I think particularly if, uh, if you go for him last year when we seen him playing left back for a good 10-15 game spell and he, he didn't look at the place there. Um, we have seen him in the midfield three a couple of times and then we've seen him either side um, up top. 
he doesn't always look the most natural, like the way he runs, the way he dribbles, it doesn't look technical at times, but he just he just never ceases to amaze me. Like the, the output we're getting from him at Arsenal at his age, um and how quickly he's became so important to everyone Arteta does. Um and there's not a lack of work rate either. We've not seen a drop off in his work no. rate as his importance to the team starts to increase. Um so, if we start speaking about Saka for too long, into, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, I could go off on many tangents yeah, here. I think he's um, the banker in all our teams, yeah, so it's yeah. probably more interesting than the other two players we've chose. So, who have you chosen as your, let's just say, maybe striker um, of this front three? Um, Do I even need to answer this one? I mean, we're no I think Jack. you all know I've gone for Mason Greenwood. Uh, although he's had a quiet season... Uh, this he's not been as impressive as he was in his debut season. Um, you know he's he's just such a quality player, and he has so much potential. His finishing is ridiculous at times. Um, yeah, I just couldn't I couldn't not pick him, especially after the season he had last last year. He uh, he's been very very impressive, and there's not a huge amount of out and out strikers in the the Premier League. You know, the other obvious one's probably Fabio Silva. It's been interested if, if either of you have, have gone for him instead. Yeah, I went for Greenwood, but more rather than being a massive fan of him this year, lack of options in my opinion. But to be fair to him, as much as he's only got a goal this year, he does a lot. I know it's something strikers should be in a team to get goals, but especially when I was watching Greenwood against West Ham, although it was a boring game, he often drifts out wide, provides space for the winners to cut inside and then Fernandez space to operate by him moving out I think he still has a lot to work on but as you say there's raw ability there I think Fabio Silva will be something we'll talk about in the next couple of years but I just don't think we can mention him yet um but yeah no it was not the easiest position to cover that I've went with Greenwood um much the same. I, I don't think there's a lot of strikers at that age. Um, obviously, we've joked it before. I think Eddie Nketi is a good player, but he's, he's not going to play at Arsenal when Aubameyang and Lacazette are there. Um, Fabio Silva again. I don't think Fabio Silva's meant to have played as many minutes he has this year. Obviously, the, the him and his injury was so unfortunate and he's... He was kind of forced into a starting role. Like he's an eighteen-year-old kid that they spent forty million pounds on. He's moved to a yeah. new country. Like it's always going to be tough. Um, and Greenwood is a good player. Like there's there's great physical stats there. He's he's a very technically good player. When just sometimes I think the concentration lacks a little bit. Um, yeah. And ultimately, he has spent a lot of time in the right wing. I yeah. don't think that's where we should be playing long term. If I'm I honest. was going to mention that he's not um, played a, a massive amount of games as an out and out striker this season. Yeah. And that is his best um, position, uh, for yeah. sure. You saw that against West Ham. It's probably his best game of the season against West Ham. Um, and he was playing as the main striker with, with James and Rashford off him. And I think he plays best with uh, with that central presence. Daniel says he's really good at coming a bit deeper, linking up with the midfield. Uh, and what doesn't get discussed a lot is his distribution. Mm-hmm. See, a few crosses he's put in this season have been absolutely phenomenal. Um just a lot of talent. I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes. Yeah. So we've only got one position left. 
for me, this is also as much as I say there was bankers. This is very straightforward for me. I put in um, Pedro Neto. He's Wolves' main man this year. He's a joint top goal scorer for them and leads the assists for them. I remember when he played against Chelsea and he looked unplayable. He's definitely calling leaps and bounds, and I think he almost needed Jota to leave because even he said in an interview, he's loving the pressure he's now given. He thrives under the pressure, whereas before he was a bit part player, Wolves now rely on him. And I think that's what he needed out of his career to kickstart on. Um, also, I like Neto, along with the reasons I like Greenwood and Saka for the fact that they're flexible across the front three as well. What you can have Neto, he's played up front this year and he played on the right one. So, um, yeah, my last choice will be Pedro Neto, although I'm still disappointed like Dwight McNeil did not make the squad. Justice for I've, McNeil. I've went with Neto as well. Uh, I, what I say there, my, my one issue with, with Dwight McNeil is I just don't think he's a left winger. I think he's... Yeah, he, he just doesn't fit the information we're using, but uh, that's no fault of his own. I think if Martinelli had played for Arsenal more this year, there might have been more of an argument for him, but I think with injuries, he's been set back. Um, but just focusing on Neto, he's phenomenal. For, again, at that age... It's terrifying how much ability some of these young guys now have at 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, and his ability to just take over a game, like you say, that I can mind that Chelsea game. He just, if he's in the right mood, he's unplayable. And Still gets he just takes over a game. Um, and when Wolves haven't had as good a season this year, and there's obviously there's been injuries with injury issues and stuff as well, but he's still been that one really bright spark throughout of it. Yeah. Um, and if you can just refine little parts of his game, the final ball, where it's crossing or shooting, um, he's going to play at a much bigger club than Wolves in the next two or three years. Yeah, what no argument you, No argument from me. Um, I've got Neto as well. The only player who was also on my list would have been uh, Hudson and Doyle at Chelsea. Yeah, but I just think on, yeah, on sheer output alone, um, Neto has to get into the team. I think no. potentially if um, Tuchel was in charge at Chelsea from the start of the season, Hudson Adoy would have been more prominent. He's been very good. But also maybe the Dwight McNeil issue. I don't know if Hudson Adoy is as effective right now as he in a front three. He's been really yeah. good as a one back recently, but of course our team I think a lot of the players have. that that was the issue for me. If we were playing a four two three one, my team might look different from how I've picked Agreed. it. Or if we if we played a three five two, then Hudson Adoy may well be why those those wide players in that five because that's Tuchel seems to like him there and he has looked good there. Um, so playing it as a four three three, I think just changing like, like you say, especially Dwight McNeil, somebody you would love to put in there because he's just a player that's hard not to like. Um, but I think in terms of the team we've picked, it would certainly be a team that would excite you. I would like to watch the team. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, I mean, um, a few a few points of of debate there, but I think mainly we're on the same page. Is there anybody else we maybe want to mention before we finish up? I had a few. I'm quite happy. Um, guys, like Camille Smith Rowe, who obviously I didn't have my team. Um, Connor Gallagher at West Brom was one yeah. that was close for me. Um, it feels like he should be older than 21. Like he feels like mm. the level he's playing at, he looks like a more seasoned pro. Um, a couple of other guys like Diallo and uh, Salisu at Southampton that have had really good years. But I think in terms of 
output already and potential. The, the 11 guys we've picked, as good as there is in the Premier League at that age, with the parameters that we've set, obviously. Yeah. So, will we run through this 11, so then everyone... Yeah, we'll give it a little run through, make sure everyone's happy with it. So, in goals, we've got Melier, right-back, Lamptey, contentiously, James at left-back, which is more because we don't really have a left-back. Fafana. So, we've got a midfield three of Jones, Gilmore and smith I have to say, I'd be quite excited to see how that would play out in real life. I think it would be very exciting to see. And then a forward three of Saka, Greenwood, and Neto. I think that sums yeah. us up. And it I sounds think like a very exciting team. Uh, yeah. Kabak and Fafana playing behind that midfield with those attacking players and the pace they've got. I I wish that team was playing in the Premier League just now because I'd, I'd quite like to see it play. Right. We did it. So the Premier League prospects 11 agreed upon. Do you think we got it right? I'd be interested to hear. Is there one we maybe missed out? Make sure to let us know what you think and leave a five-star review. It really helps the podcast grow. Come follow us on at Last Minute Corner, at Last Minute Corner on Twitter, where you can find links to our blogs with a range of analytical pieces from all three of us from a range of football and leagues. It can be your daily football fix. Thanks again for listening and come back and hang out with us again next week when we can talk more football and have more heated debates. Have a good day.